you can explore an exclusive collection of case law at Decisis Law Reports. Browse a comprehensive collection of nearly 14,000 reports of Irish legal judgments delivered since 2011. Visit decisis.ie to find out more. Hello and you're very welcome to episode 26 of The Fifth Court, a podcast on legal affairs presented by myself, Peter Leonard Barrister. And myself, Mark Tottenham Barrister and editor of Decisive.ie. Well, Mark, uh, after producing a weekly podcast for 25 weeks in a row, we were missing in action for the last couple of weeks. A small hiatus, just, small to, hiatus. just to see if anybody missed Holliers us. Holliers and various different things intervened. Uh, but it's very good to be back, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. And we were missed a little bit, which was lovely. I, I was stopped on the street only today by people wondering what had happened well, to the podcast. There you go. There you go. Isn't that fantastic? Well, in our last show, all the way back in March, you will recall we talked to solicitor Fred Logue, who is building a reputation as a David taking on the property developer Goliaths. I think he likes that phrase. As he challenges various properties property developments throughout the country, judicial review being his primary tool of choice. It was a great interview, Mark. Yeah. He was, was given out to us at the end. He felt we gave him a hard time, but uh, he was well able for us. Yeah. Or maybe it was more me than you, but anyway, there you go. Uh, well, today our topic for interview is a very hot one indeed. We are delighted to be joined in studio by Dr. Brian Flanagan, who's an Associate Professor of Law in Maynooth University. Uh, and he has certainly set the cat amongst the pigeons as far as our judiciary is concerned. In a joint venture with some American academic colleagues, Dr. Flanagan carried out research which he claims showed that Wikipedia articles were having an influence on the decision-making of Irish judges. God forbid. I think we should say purported to show because it's very much disputed by another paper written in response by a number of judicial assistants and uh, Mr Justice Richard Humphreys. Well, I I hope you will make that point in the course of the interview. We we do know that Mr Justice Richard Humphreys is fighting a rearguard action on behalf of the judiciary. Amongst others. I think uh, David Barneville has also had something to say on the subject. And is saying, no, we're not not buying this at all. This this research we don't accept. We Mm. think it's flawed. So let's put that to Brian. Let's see what he says. And uh, I'm really looking forward to that interview. I think it'll be great. But first, we're going to discuss three cases that you have identified from the Decisis website. First, to a case dealing with a topic which has been a regular feature on this podcast, and that is the practice of solicitors engaging expert medical witnesses to assist their clients with their cases. Uh, This one is called the case of McLaughlin versus Dealey. It's a decision of Mr. Justice Ferreter, and it concerns a personal injuries case where the plaintiff was injured attempting to lift a patient on a trolley bed. Yeah, yeah. well, as you'll know, uh, expert evidence is a subject that I have a particular interest in. And um, <clears throat> the, 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 the background to this is that there have been a number of judgments by the High Court, particularly Mr Justice Barr and Mr Justice Toomey, who have queried the role of solicitors in engaging medical specialists directly and effectively saying that they ought to have been uh, engaged via the general practitioner. Um, Now, this has been quite controversial. There's been a lot of discussion about this, but part of which I've been participating in over time. 
Um, but now a judgment has been delivered by Mr Justice Keane Ferreter um, in McLaughlin and Dealey where he has taken a different approach and I think basically arising from the, the judgments that I've referred to by Mr Justice Barr and Mr Justice Toomey, he has looked through in particular a case called the Arcarian Reefer which uh, sets out effectively the duties of an expert witness and he's gone through and in summary what he has said is if the expert who is retained complies with his or her duties to the court, there is no reason why a solicitor should not engage them directly. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I mean, you know, he, he, he goes quite methodically through the established uh, duties. So it's um, an expert opinion is an expert opinion if it's properly given. Exactly. Isn't that it? It's as yeah. simple as yeah. that. Yeah. And it's no harm. That's, this is a good decision for the plaintiff. Yeah, I mean, the, you know, the, the, there are clearly difficulties that ha, have have arisen in other cases. And and Mr. Justice Toomey has pointed them out in a number where, for example, psychiatrists have had to effectively... Um, Make, deci- make diagnoses based on what they're told by a plaintiff and the suggestion being that they're, that they're simply rubber stamping the plaintiff's own account. But of course, they, have, they, they, they are supposed to be independent experts advising the court directly, not acting for the individual party. And if they comply with those duties, what yes. Mr Justice Ferreter is saying, that there is no reason why they should Good. give evidence. So a very significant decision, I think, yeah. for Mr yeah. Justice Ferreter there. Yeah. OK, let's yeah. move on. Next to a Court of Appeal case in which an earlier conviction for assault causing serious harm was quashed. This is the case of the Director of Public Prosecutions v. Fancony, I think, yeah. a decision of the President of the Court, uh, Mr Justice George Birmingham. The Court set aside the conviction on the ground that there was evidence that the appellant was suffering from psychosis at the time he made alleged remarks to Agartha. And those remarks should have been excluded from the evidence which was given in the course of the trial. Yeah, so the in this case, as you say, it was assault causing serious harm. He produced an article in the course of a dispute. When he was stopped by the guardie, he said the following. He said, first of all, he met with his destiny. This is in relation to the person he assaulted. He then went on to say, I knifed the Irish guy because he was a Satanist and that after 35 years, he met with his destiny. Now, for one thing, his first language was not English. Secondly, there was reason to believe that he was suffering from some kind of psychosis at the time that he made that statement to the guardie. And what the and although he was convicted in, at trial, the Court of Appeal felt that a comment like that, which is clearly prejudicial, should not have been admitted at trial in circumstances where, where there were very good reasons to suggest okay. that he was suffering from a psychotic illness. Very good. And finally, to an employment injunction with a difference, this is the case of Buttermer versus Oak Fuel Supermarket Limited trading as cost cutter Rath Cormac, a decision of Mr Justice Connor Dignam in the High Court, Mark. Yeah, so this is a, a, a wrongful dismissal claim where the where brought by a woman who was obviously claiming that she'd been unfairly dismissed from her position at work. Now, what she applied for in this case was what they call an employment injunction, which is basically where you, where the defendant is compelled to continue employing somebody and keep allowing them to continue in work pending the outcome of the case. Now, my understanding is that's quite a controversial area because obviously it, it is certainly arguable that a, a, a remedy in damages would, would be available. But what Mr Justice Dignam did in this case was he said that he wasn't going to grant the employment injunction because he said that there, there was a, a breakdown in the employment relationship and so he, he, he wouldn't compel the, the defendant to allow the employee to, to continue in work. 
But what he did do was he restrained the defendant from filling the position with somebody else. So effectively, the defendant had to keep the position open until the trial of the action. So he closed one door and he opened another. Arguably, yeah. Yeah, okay. Look, really good. Thank you. And very well explained, uh, Mark. We're going to be back shortly with Dr. Brian Flanagan, Associate Professor of Law in Maynooth University. Silence in the Fifth Court. Okay, it is my great pleasure to welcome to the studio uh, Dr. Brian Flanagan, Associate Professor of Law in Maynooth University. Brian, we're old mates. We were in college many moons ago and you have caused consternation on the benches of Ireland, uh, Brian, with your research in relation to Wikipedia and whether that influences judicial decisions. Uh, This is a study that you carried out with colleagues from across the Atlantic Pond in those prestigious Ivory League schools on the east coast of America. We're going to talk all about that, but can we go back first of all, and just get a little bit of background about yeah. you. You are Associate Professor in Maynooth. As I said, we were in UCD all those years ago, and yeah, uh, you're always a bright lad. Why academia? Why didn't you go into practice? Yeah, um, I just didn't like the money, you know, <laughs> and uh, I wanted to spend time just sitting on my armchair thinking deeply. That was the, that was the main attraction. You wanted to be philosophical? Yeah. About law? Time. About law of all things, yeah. No, I mean, I, I had fun in, in UCD. I know that we... Uh, we we sat uh, we sat in a couple of tutorials together and uh, yeah I suppose I just wanted to do a bit more of that. Okay, and what was your academic path to Maynooth University? Um, so I did I did a kind of a, a law and French degree in, in in UCD. So I I was there for an extra year and then I went to Oxford and I did um, I did a master's over there. Um, then I came back to UCD and I, I did a PhD there and then I I went from there to Maynooth. Uh, Okay, so you've been in Maynooth a while now, haven't you? Yeah, no, a good one. Well, uh, we know you're a wonderful lecturer and you're very popular with your students, but as well as all of that, you do some research. And this, we've brought you in to talk about a research project that has everybody talking down the law library and elsewhere where legal people meet and maybe where some non-legal people meet. And this is your research into Wikipedia and the impact it has had on some judicial thinking and judicial decision-making. You've gone so far as to say it has had an impact uh, and there is empirical evidence to suggest that that is the case. Okay, will you tell us how did this survey start? How did this research begin? Well, so the lead author on, on, the, on the survey is, um, or on the study rather, is Neil Thompson in MIT. And so my, my colleagues... Tell us at, where MIT is for those who don't know. Uh, Massachusetts, Massachusetts Institute, Institute of Technology. And um, so my, my colleagues in Maynooth are also co-authors, uh, Dr. Brian McKenzie and Dr. Dana Richardson and Jion Lau from, from Cornell. Um, so this is, um, you know, a collective work. Um, and it, it stems from, from Neil's... Um, previous work, really. Um, so Neil had um, had looked at Wikipedia and innovation and how we use technology. And he had noticed that, you know, there were studies which said that, you know, if you put something on Wikipedia, a destination, say, you're more likely to go there on holidays. Seems to be like there's an effect. And so he he thought, well, you know, what, what, what about a higher stakes situation like, you know, chemistry or biology, you know, some scientific research, you know, could putting something on Wikipedia affect the evolution of science. And he found that it did. So then the thought was, well, you know, science is important, but it's not formal. You know, it's not like procedurally precise in the way law is, uh, where you have this happens, then that happens, and everyone gets um, everyone gets a shout, and it's all quite, quite intensely regulated. So 
so the the thought was well maybe you know the 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 reach of Wikipedia is such that it would actually affect even a a, a an important process that's quite formal like law. Okay, can I just stop you there for a second? This guy Neil Thompson, who yeah. you say is the prime mover from MIT uh, in Massachusetts, uh, he's not a legal academic, then, is he? Or is he a sociologist, or what is he? No, he's um, he's a social scientist. So you're the legal guy on this, then, are you? Well, well, I'm not the only um, legal guy. Um, so uh, my colleague Adana um, is um, is a, a legal. Um, she's a, an academic lawyer uh, like myself. She has a, a background in, in practice as well. Um, and and Brian McKenzie, um, Brian. If, if I mean, if I recall correctly, it was Brian's idea to to, to see if this would have a, an impact on on law um, okay. itself. Uh, this, is, this is going back a, a yeah. Bit no, I've thrown you now, off but, off your stride there just by, by that because I was curious: was this a kind of a legal creation? As you say, it's it's, it's social scientific research. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So go back to the to, to then you decided you're going to focus on law and yeah. see what impact Wikipedia yeah, has. Yeah. So. So Ireland then kind of presented itself as a, as a natural place to look because there there weren't many cases covered on uh, on Wikipedia because we're a small jurisdiction. You know, there's only so many people to go around writing stuff on the internet. So you know, just wasn't very much there. And so this gave us the you know kind of an, uh, an environment where we could set up a control population and a treatment population. You know, where you'd have cases that would be summarised on Wikipedia and ones that weren't, and you could see what would happen as time went on to those cases in terms of how much they're cited by subsequent judgments. And so, and so that's what we did. So we, we had a look at a, a bunch of Supreme Court cases, um, 154, and we, we summarized them and we put half of them online and half of them we didn't. And then we checked to see what would be the difference in how the ones that were online on Wikipedia would be treated by, by judges later on. And so it's it's an experimental uh, approach. So it's basically the same idea you would use to see whether a vaccine works. It's the same kind of you know, logic to it. Um, it's unusual to have it in relation to to courts because it's, it's it's kind of hard to set up. But we thought this when using precedents and and summarising them, we thought that presented an opportunity. Okay. So so how long did this process take? Um, I would say um, it it was. In the works in 2017, 2018, maybe initial. So this is a huge project. Yeah, yeah, no, and as uh, you say, cross transatlantic. Um, yeah, you know, it's it's yeah. So well, a lot we've never of input meant, from, but yeah. have you not? Okay, well, that's the the joy of Zoom, I suppose. Yeah. You know, um, so like this is a very serious experiment. I think it's important just to kind of get to the the genesis of the experiment and and how it was done. So the modus operandi. Will you just go over that again? Was to take 150 yeah. Supreme Court decisions, yeah. half of them online, i.e., half of them on Wikipedia. Is it? Uh, yes, on Wikipedia, exactly. Yeah. So we what we would do is, so this is you know through our law students, right? We would. Um, have them summarize a particular Supreme Court case, right? And because that's a precedent, Wikipedia would regard that as a significant event, like a, a Supreme Court decision with the judgments and so on. So you would reach an encyclopedia's criterion of notability for it to be entered at all. And so then, well, we, we, we had our, our cases and we paired them as best we could so that, you know, you'd have, you know, one in control, one in treatment, um, both of which were alike along various dimensions, like the same year, you know, Closest same match in terms number of yes, same legal issue number of citations, media coverage. So I mean, like it's rough, but we I tried to get it as best we can. And then once we had them in pairs that were you know roughly comparable, then we randomly selected one to go online and one not to go online. And and through that randomization, then um, you have this um, opportunity to say that something causes something else. And so you know if it's random, then if you're finding that there's an effect 
to, for those that you treat and there isn't for those that you don't, well then, you know, nothing is absolutely certain. But you can be okay. pretty confident that wow. okay. what you're doing is... I'm dying to get to the results, but before we get to that, can I just ask you, how were they put up online? Was it a summary of the case? Was the case itself just published in full on Wikipedia? What way did you do it? Oh, no, yes. No, it's a summary. Yeah, no, it would have to be. Um, so... So what would, you know, Wikipedia, what they would want from something like this would be that you would be able to give a synopsis um, in the kind of the, the opening section, you know, in a, in a couple of sentences, just to kind of give a synopsis of what the point of the whole entry is. So like, you know, why is it an authority? You know, what has it got to say for the future? You know, so you're trying to pick out that line or two that just kind of gives the, the core or the essence of the case. And then after that, then, um, you would have your kind of your background to it, um, and then you would have the kind of the, the judge's reasoning, and 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 then you know possibly then later reception or something like that. Um, so that would be the kind of the general structure for something like this. Mm-hmm. And so um, yeah, so we so we we did the facts. So that the the lecturers ourselves, we did a few prototype ones to to get the ball rolling, and. Um, and then, yeah, and so then the, the students then got okay. to work. Okay, so you gathered up after a couple of years of research and a lot of hard work, I presume, was put into this. You gathered all your information, you put it into a big melting pot <laughs> and then you pressed a button and the results came out. So what yeah. results did you get? Yeah, well, so we found that when a Supreme Court decision is covered on Wikipedia, it's more likely to be cited by high court judges subsequently um, than if it isn't. Um, so that's the, that's the causal link there. You know, we're saying putting on Wikipedia causes a certain tendency to be cited more often um, by, by high court judges. Um, so, so yeah, so we hope with the experimental design and the work that goes into it, we can, we can say, well, it's not just correlation, that there's an actual effect there. And, and so, yeah, and so that, that's one aspect of it. Um, like we said, something like it's 23% more likely, something like that, to be, to be cited if it's, um, if it's on Wikipedia than if it isn't. And we we then looked at the, the the text of the Wikipedia entry itself, as opposed to just looking at okay, well, is the, the case being cited more? And we looked, okay, well, is the the text that you're seeing in the Wikipedia entry, the actual kind of content, is that reflected in future decisions? And and we found that it was. Um, so, you know, it's it's important to be careful. You know, it, the we used um, this this technique called bag of words, which which tries to identify similarities in the way a natural speaker would. Would a natural speaker say, oh, yeah, well, that's quite similar to something else or not? OK. So it's a technique so that tries to capture that. they were borrowing that. the phrases that were used in the yeah, Wikipedia Yeah, so it wouldn't entry. be, it's not, you know, plagiarism now. We, we should be clear about that. It's not like they're cutting and pasting, but it's as if. Um, so we, the way we put it, I think, is like that there are the fingerprints, the linguistic fingerprints of the Wikipedia articles there. So it's as if um, one were to read something and then be asked to talk about that thing very shortly afterwards. Okay. What you would say, you know, even though you're not going to, you know, using a photographic memory or anything, what you would say would be uh, influenced. The words you would use and the way you would word them be influenced by what you had read. So it's that kind of effect that we're seeing. Okay. Now, Mark, I know you want to come in, but I just one final question mm-hmm. or one general area of questioning. You focused on the High Court. It's high court decisions, and you found evidence of the presence of this influence of Wikipedia in the high court. You say in the superior courts, court of appeal, Supreme Court, not so much. Is is, is that what you're saying? Yeah. So how did you pick on the high court? Or you tell me how you well, identified the high court being different from the other superior courts. Well, we had looked at all of the courts. You know, the court of appeal, high well, it's not all the courts. Uh, the high court, the court of appeal, and the Supreme Court. And um, if you take all superior court decisions taken as an aggregate altogether, 
um, you get a result that it's more likely to be cited, but not at a level of conventional statistical significance. But if you take the high court, um, you know, as a category, then you, you do reach that that level of statistical significance. And so, yeah, so we, we think there's a pretty robust finding in relation to the high court that it's it it, it did do it. it. It was using Wikipedia. Um but um, but yeah, you, you don't you don't get that. You can't say that of the Court of Appeal. You can't say that of the Supreme Court, and you can only kind of just about say well, that. You when reckon you, put you can say it about the High Court? Yeah, you you can say it about the All High Court. All right, Mark, do you want to say something there? Yeah, I mean, I had the pleasure of reading both your own article in SSRN and then the article published by the Judicial Assistants and Richard Humphreys. And I suppose what, what you can say about the article that they wrote is that there is a tone of irritation throughout it. And there's no doubt that it, it is very much written to rebut what you and your colleagues wrote. Um what I would also say is that when I was reading your article, I shared their irritation, and that was before I read their article. And I suppose, you know, I maybe naturally I picked up on a lot of the things that they've picked up on. So I suppose, I, I mean, if I run through a few of them, I mean, for one thing, I suppose there's a lot of provocative language in what you write, which I, and I mean, obviously it's you and a number of colleagues, but, you know, for example, you suggest that that this use of Wikipedia in research replaces judges' expert application of the law. Yes, which that's right. I suppose there's a number of things to say there. First of all, obviously, if a case is cited in a judgment, it, it is as likely that it was uh, cited in submissions by the barristers on either side, which wasn't really kind of addressed in in the paper. Um so, you know, the, 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 the research involving Wikipedia is as likely to have been done by barristers as by the judges themselves. And I don't think there's any reason to, to, to query that, is there? Yeah, well, so there, there's kind of two aspects mm. to the question there. The first one is about whether Wikipedia would displace the mm. expert, expert application of the law. And then there's a question of, you know, is it judges, is it barristers, or, yeah. or you know, how does that break down? So just to take that first part... Mm. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think I think we're, we're we're pretty confident that that the use of Wikipedia displaces expert application of anything. How would it displace it? Because whilst it might be an expert who's writing it, mm. it might not be, and you could never know. But I mean, for example, you know, there are about fourteen hundred judgments published every year in Ireland. So very often, you know, our legal research would involve going to textbooks. Now, a textbook obviously isn't of itself a legal authority. It's simply a textbook. But that sure. will then cite an individual judgment and that will lead you to cite that individual judgment. Now, sure. if I go, for example, onto Google while I'm doing research, and I know that I and a lot of other colleagues do that because, I mean, because I, yeah, I, sure. I edit Decisis, a lot of that is what leads people to use Decisis. If, if in the course of a Google research, I come to a, a, a Wikipedia article that says this is the relevant case on this, and I then cite that case. Yes. As a lawyer, that's not displacing my expert expertise as a lawyer. It's simply saying, right, I have been led to this case, which is the authority on that. Yeah. I am using Wikipedia in the application of my legal research. I'm not using it to displace it. Well, I guess <clears throat> maybe two things just to mm. say to that. The first thing is that what appears on Wikipedia is essentially arbitrary. Yeah. Um, someone decides to cover a case, someone doesn't. Yeah. And so using Wikipedia as, uh, I guess, a, a source of information as to the law that's out there on a particular topic isn't necessarily a totally solid foundation. And so, you know, you, you could end up using a certain case on Wikipedia and maybe you've looked at, you've read the case afterwards, you know, it's just a stepping stone to that case. 
it still might lead you over time in the aggregate to be putting different cases in your judgments than you would otherwise. And if you were looking up some other data, I mean, you're not suggesting that any case, any judgment by any individual judge was in any way wrong as a result of the research they've done. No, we're not. And but could I just want to get back to the the second thing there, um, which is about the whole stepping stone Mm. idea. And and so we do address this, I think, in the paper a little bit. So, as you say, um, it could be that the like, like what you've described, a situation where you're on a Google and you go into Wikipedia and they go, oh, this is a bit interesting. Now I'm going to go and read the case. Right? But, but I think that's less likely in view of the linguistic similarity that we're finding. Well, that, I suppose I want to come back onto that later. Well, I think it's I mean, connected to, yeah. to that particular mm. point, though, because mm. if it were the case that it was simply being used as a stepping stone, I don't think you'd see any evidence of linguistic similarity with the text of the Wikipedia article mm. as opposed to the judgment itself. Okay, well, well then, and that's true whether it's barristers doing it or judges mm. doing it. But it, coming on to the issue of the the, the, the textual analysis, I mean, sure. it it seems to be covered in quite a cursory way in your paper, um, and I suppose what I would be looking for if 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 it's if it's something that's that's genuinely an issue is solid examples of where particular phrases that are used in the Wikipedia article and nowhere else have then found their way into a judgment and and none of those are cited in the article. And I suppose because it's such a kind of provocative thing to say yeah, and sure. because it's it that would be a matter of concern, that's something that I uh, certainly I would like to see a little bit more of if 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 I were to 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 take that seriously as an issue. Yeah, no, sure. I, I can see the um the the desire well first of all it's provocative. Yeah, okay. And secondly, um I can see the natural instinct to particularly if you're a lawyer, mm. um, to want to have two texts to compare and reach a decision and, and use your usual skills to... I would have thought as an academic as well. Well, I'm speaking, you know, in my pseudo-lawyer hat here, you know. Um, and you'd want to be able to do that, that kind of close reading, that interpretive analysis. But actually, that wouldn't tell you very much on this particular claim. Because what we're doing here is looking in the aggregate at loads and loads of words. And we're comparing that to another huge big bundle of words. And we're asking, does the pattern of one set of words connect to the set of words you find in high court judgments more often than the pattern of words that are in the control cases that didn't go online? And, you know, whether that's right or wrong, you're never going to actually get to the bottom of that by reading a couple of paragraphs of cases, some of which, and then going to yourself, okay, well, there's a case that cites a case that's summarised in Wikipedia and then looking at the text of the Wikipedia article. Just like, as a human, you couldn't, you couldn't be able to decide for or against the claim we're making by doing that. Well, I think you would be able to if you were, if you were to, to find that on a repeated basis that there were phrases that were used in Wikipedia that, for example, weren't used in the, in the foundational judgment that then those phrases found their way regularly into the High Court judgment. I mean, I would have thought that wouldn't be that difficult to establish. Well, I mean... Yeah, if you do it repeatedly, but you, at that point you'd be looking at a statistical analysis to to reach any ultimate conclusion. But I would one have thought way even if you could find 20, 20 or twenty five examples of that, that it would be it would at least give rise to some concern. Well, I mean, I, I'm not sure exactly what number you would need and what uh, proximity that the various words would need to be uh, to each other. I'm not an expert in the technique of, of bag of words, but I do know that this technique has been validated in, in other areas and that what, what people have found is that when you say that something uh, reaches a level of significant similarity using a bag of words technique, what you're saying is that n- ordinary people will go, yeah, that's, 
that's quite similar to this other thing. I say, yeah, it looks like um, that leads on from something else uh, that's been said. So, um, so yeah. And so when you're looking at loads and loads of judgments and you're trying to ask loads, loads of text, I should say, and you're trying to compare two different texts. So this is the text of the uploaded Wikipedia articles and the non-uploaded Wikipedia articles. And then you're asking, OK, well, how do those two different texts compare to the text of the judgments that are subsequently made? Then um, you're looking at a huge aggregate comparison that you know, you, you can only really, I think, reach, um, you know, kind of a, a credible conclusion on when you when you use the statistics. Now, I don't know how to do the statistics, but you would need to apply, um, you would need to apply that sort of analysis who, and who close reading. Who statistics? Is that, that yes, the, no, no, the, the so, MIT side of things? Yes, yes. Um, Neil and Jiyun, um, that they were in charge of the, the quantitative um, element of it. Can I come um, back in there, lads? Uh, I think Mark has made a strong uh, case for the defence of this one, Brian, but you've been very able in terms of your your rebuttal. One thing I'm curious about is the distinction between the Court of Appeal, Supreme Court and the High Court. Now, in one way, if the theory is that judges are relying on submissions from barristers representing applicants or defendants, etc. Um, and then they're, you know, the barristers are putting in references maybe that they've picked up in Wikipedia. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. If you're looking for a steer in something as a starting point, I don't think there's anything essentially wrong with that. But surely that would have featured with the Court of Appeal and the Supreme Court as well. I don't understand why mm-hmm. it, it, there's a distinction between the Court of Appeal and the Supreme Court and the High Court. Yeah, no, I mean, there's, in terms of whether barristers are having an effect, we, we, I mean, it would make sense that barristers are using Wikipedia and that's contributing to the effect that we see. But we think that the judges are also involved. And it's not because we've got direct evidence that judges are, are looking at Wikipedia. And um, that they're looking at these these submissions they get, so and then they're consulting the classic Google. Circumstantial evidence. It is, is no, it's, saying, it's it's very much so circumstantial evidence. So for us, it's like a you know you're looking at a black box. You have these inputs, you have these outputs, and you're trying to figure out well what was the mechanism there. And definitely, barristers looking at Google, that's you know that's that's it's an obvious way that this could effect could could happen. Um, but but there are features, indirect features, that suggest. Pretty strongly, we think that judges are at least also involved in that process themselves. Sorry, what kind of in- indirect features are you talking about? Okay, so the the feature we're looking at is the pattern of citation between positive and negative. Okay, so <clears throat> what you'd expect to see if judges had a purely passive role and they were just you know kind of a, a, a vessel or a vehicle for the effect being transferred from the submissions into the judgments. What you would expect is an increase, obviously, in, in the number of cases that are on Wikipedia versus those that aren't in the judgments. So that you would expect to see that. But you would expect that effect to be distributed equally throughout the positive and negative citation practices that the judge would ordinarily have. So the judges, you know, there's a certain amount they do positive, certain amount negative, and they're different, right? But there is a, a general, some will be this, some will be that. And you would expect the quantity or the volume, the relative volume of Wikipedia um, summarized cases to increase proportionately in each of those, as opposed to being purely concentrated in one of those categories, in the, in the positive category in this case. So, okay. and do you mean, so, sorry. Yeah, no, just, just, can I just ask you, Brian? Okay, so look, 
you, you've set out the ratio behind your research and you say that you and your academic colleagues are very satisfied with the results that you've achieved and you've put your case and I think you've put your case quite strongly and Mark has very strongly put the, the rebuttal case, I think. Were you surprised at the reaction of the judges to this research? Um, I guess a little bit. I mean, you know, we weren't sure we were going to get the result, you know, so... And then I guess, hypothetically, we thought, well, maybe if we did, you know, they mightn't be, you know, very happy about it. Um, but yeah, that, that's been borne out. I mean, it's certainly, I get the impression that there's a tone of irritation there. Um, and I think you're right. I don't think it's just shared by judges. I think it's shared more generally. I think it's, it's shared by a number of barristers and, and possibly by other uh, Irish legal academics. Um, so, I mean, that, but, but it comes to particularly when you, when you read their... Um, when, when I mean, I, I suppose, sorry, it should also be said that in their rebuttal, they claim to have gone through all of the ones that you cited and done their own analysis and they feel that your findings aren't borne out. Well, there's, there's a lot going on in their, uh, in their paper and I haven't got a chance to, to, to read through it uh, as much time as I'd like. But, you know, on the one hand, you, you see them saying things like, well... You know, it's uh, it's critical that the, the public have confidence in, in the courts, um, you know, and so we need to be very careful about these sorts of claims. But on the other hand, you see them saying that, you know, using Wikipedia is fine. There, there isn't a problem. And then equally, you see them saying, well, you know, it's it's crucial that the, the layman can trust, can trust the courts and can, you know, scrutinize the courts. But then also then you hear them saying things like, well, look, you know, we don't want any amateur moralizing here. You know, there's no no call for that about us. So there's, there's, a, there's a kind of a disconnect there, I think, in, in some aspects of what they're saying. And equally, you know, they're asking us, why didn't we look at, and so this is why it's indirect, right? So we, we don't look at the, the lawyer's submissions to the court specifically. And so it's, it's, it's more difficult for us to get direct evidence as what's going on. I, th I think um, it's very interesting that you say that it's not only the judges. And you're right. I mean, there is, I mean, I have been tapped on the shoulder. Are you going to do this issue? And people are very, very excited about this. And dare I say it, very defensive from a point of view of, of judges. I mean, it's, it's almost like to quote a, a wonderful podcast, myself and Mark were involved in once upon a time, it's law on trial. People feel that you're kind of attacking the, the legal system. I wanted to just complete that last thought there. Yes, um, please do. Um, it was just about why they were saying, you know, well, you need to do this look at submissions thing. And then they say, you know, they, they do a little bit of that themselves. But we couldn't look at the submissions because, you know, we aren't the president of the high court and we can't call up counsel for their, you know, view on whether something was said in oral arguments or in a book of authorities. We can't get the submissions. We can't ring up solicitors. You know, we're not the president of the high court. We're not, you know, Mr. Justice, whatever. We don't work for the court service. None of this stuff is online like it is in other jurisdictions. Yes, but you have to have valid research, Brian. I mean, you can't put your name to something unless you believe it's very solid. And we do. Of 100%. course. 100%. Yeah, yeah. So what I'm saying, like the criticism that we, I can't believe you didn't look at um, lawyer submissions, they don't, the courts themselves do not make them available to us to look at. And when they do in this paper, they, they refer to a, a number of, of lawyer submissions that they've looked at, legal submissions. And ultimately... You know, the evidence is testimony, you know, that an unnamed counsel told me that I mentioned it in, in, in oral submissions to the judge. So that's where it came from. 
Okay, can I just go, go back to it? I mean, as I said, the, the, the judiciary have been very exercised about this. Yeah. The president of the High Court, David Barneville, has come out and made a comment, and he doesn't do that lightly. I mean, he's you know, made a couple of comments. Yes, he has made a couple of comments. And also, Richard Humphreys is leading the charge on behalf of the judiciary. And I saw Kean Ferreter, a recently uh, appointed High Court judge, also had a comment in relation to it. So they don't like it. They don't like mm. what you've said in, in, in relation to that. Um, What's the, uh, the initially there was some criticism of your research and you refined your paper a little bit? Did you? Was there was a kind of a an addendum published to your research where you sort of pulled back a little bit? Am I right in saying that? Um, no, I mean, I, so that that's certainly what they're saying. Um, that we we said one thing and then we've we've said you know we're actually you know not saying that anymore or something like that. So what we have done is so the, what we published in, in the summer was a was a draft and you know we subsequently published a an improved draft and you know eventually the thing will be published in, in this book but everything we said about judges in the summer we stand over um, we think they're involved we still think they're involved okay Okay. So, you know, well, I, well, as I said, they were very ably defended by Mark here, but I think we're going to put the call out. If any judge wants to come into this studio, we would love to hear it from their perspective because we think this is a really, really interesting debate. Okay, well, look, Brian, um, we end with a question. Let's talk about something which we can all agree on now. Yeah. <laughs> um, you, you, did you think about a book or a movie or anything that you could recommend to our listeners? And remember, we're not just lawyers. We, we, we broadcast to the world. So yeah, anything yeah. at all of interest that well, you'd like I don't to, think, to tell us about. I mean, I, all I could come up with, you know, it's not going to be of interest because everyone has already seen it and I'm sure they can think of much deeper tell us uh, anyway. things tell us to anyway. watch. But I just, you know, I can't get past a few good men. You know, I just, I just go back do, to it all the time. Do you want to say I, the line? Okay, <laughs> Brian, uh, thank you for coming in. Uh, I've really enjoyed this discussion. As you know, there are two sides to this debate and we mix with a lot of people who disagree with you sure. and feel you're being very unfair and that your characterisation of how the judges go about their business is is is, is not accurate and is, is not actually, a fair reflection. Can I just actually please say do, something on that, Peter? Do, because I've been do. thinking about that because it's clear to me that, you know, people are, I guess, maybe emotional is one way of putting it. I don't know, maybe that's unfair, but... Um, I, I've been wondering, you know, like if I were in their position and I think what they're, what they're reacting to in part is just a sense of not being used to this kind of scrutiny. I mean, typically when we think about judges uh, in Ireland and a lot of places, they're at the centre of the story. And even the way we learn about law, the way we teach law, it's cases. And we talk about Donoghue and Stevenson and what did the judge do? And they're, they're the protagonist or the antagonist. But they're always a central part of the story. And even in, in kind of a qualitative research, you know, you're interviewing them. You know, they're, they're very much a player. But with research like this, then it, it's much more detached. And it's like they're under a microscope. And they don't have the same sort of agency in the research that you would in doctrinal research or qualitative research. And that's not something maybe that they're as used to. And it does feel jarring to, to have that role change. And for those who are the subject of that sort of research, they're not part of a conversation about what they're doing in but the same be, way. It could be something as simple as the fact that they'll all say, we've never looked at Wikipedia in relation to writing a decision in our lives. And they hate the fact that we're not taking that at face value, maybe. OK, well, we'll leave it there. Brian, as I said, this has been a fascinating interview. We would love the other side to come in to us here on the Fifth Court and give us their side of the story. So open invitation to Mr Justice Humphreys if he's out there. Um, all right, Brian, thank you very much for coming in and being a guest a on the Fifth Court uh, today. The Fifth Court will adjourn until next week. 
So that's all from this edition of The Fifth Court. We hope you have enjoyed it. Can we say a huge thank you to our guest, Dr. Brian Flanagan, Associate Professor of Law here at Maynooth University, for giving us such a fascinating insight into his belief, his belief, that Wikipedia is influencing... Shared by a number our, of academics. <laughs> ...Irish judicial decision-making. Mark, what are they going to say down the law library when you go in tomorrow? Will well, they are when, well, when the, when the you, show you, is broadcast? You heard my own scepticism. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. So it'll be interesting to see, but... Uh, you know, we put him through that. You put him through the ringer there, and I think you know he he's standing by his position, and yes. he's very confident in his research. And as I said, we would love to hear from the other side. And there is an open mic here, so come on down, <laughs> come on down, and 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 defend uh, the allegations, if that's what you would call them, that are contained in the research. I would also like to say a big thank you to our producer, Conal O'Morine, and to the Dublin South podcast studios for recording this show and doing such a wonderful job. Thanks to the two lads out there, Lee and David. You played a blinder today, lads. Uh, as I said, folks, it's very good to be back. Mark, do you feel good about being back? We kind of missed it, yeah, yeah, we did. We'd missed it and, and it's good to have felt missed as well. Okay. And I think what, what we, uh, as ever, a bit of feedback always helps. Uh, so please, Positive or negative. So just yeah. get in touch oh, or, or, or stop us in the street. Absolutely. You know, we're dying for comments and for you know people to raise topics with us yeah. and suggest things to us because we're very much open to that so please do it uh, and you can contact us on the website or on LinkedIn or whatever way you want to do it um, but please do contact us if you have any views out there that you'd like to share with us so from me Peter Leonard myself Mark Tottenham thank you for listening and we'll see you very soon in the Fifth Court Never miss a vital Irish legal judgment. Check out Decisis Law Reports, where you'll find a fully indexed collection of all Irish judgments delivered since 2011. Visit decisis.ie to find out more.